This is the EMG Podcast Spotlight Interview with your host, Tom Gambuza. One of the most unique aspects of EMG is our combination of youth and vibrancy coupled with a wealth of experience. Let me tell you, in our industry, that is hard to come by, and I don't know anyone who defines that sentiment more than EMG event host Frank Tadros. You know those people that are just born entertainers? Well, that's Frank. Not many people in our industry can say they've been doing this for over 20 years, full-time nonetheless, and not be a fossil. Frank is full of life, a joy to be around, and is one of our most requested event hosts. In this episode, we chat about Frank's childhood, his start in the entertainment world, how he made his way to EMG, however long the road was, and even some of our combined interests and hobbies. I've personally learned so much from Frank that has made me a better event host along the way, uh, so you can imagine my excitement to sit down with him for this interview. So, I invite you to sit back, relax, get to know EMG event host Frank Tadros a bit better in this Spotlight interview. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Spotlight Interview Series. Today, I get to sit down with event host Frank Tadros. I am your host, Tom Gambuza. I cannot tell you how excited I am for this one. I have Frank sitting across from me virtually, and we are just going to get into it. Um, Frank, what's up, man? What's going on, Tom? How are you? Glad to be here. Glad to join you on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for joining me. I know, you know, I don't know if anybody that's taken a listen to uh, kind of the the history of the Spotlight interviews, but um, it started off with Sawpaw doing all of them, right? And we've had like this division of labor recently where like he's taken the live musicians, I've taken the event host, but even if that wasn't the case, uh, I would have fought him for this one because I want, I want everybody to know that I've been really excited to personally do this and sit down with you and, and go over this with you. Um, simply because what I, I, what a lot of people probably don't know is that out of everyone, out of all the event hosts anyway, I've known you the longest. So, um, I think, uh, I think we have something very cool ahead of us and, um, I'm excited for it. So thanks. Thanks for joining me, man. I'm pumped. Yeah. Glad to be here. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to this and have been for a while now. Let's, uh, so let's jump in then. Let's do it. Let's so do it. we, we always start these off with, uh, telling us who you are in a nutshell. So with that, give us the, give us the elevator pitch on Frank. Like Tom said, my name is Frank, Frank Tadros here, one of the event hosts. Um, I am a 38-year-old lifetime event host DJ. Um, I've never had another job or never thought about pursuing another career. Literally, I've been doing this for the past 20-plus years. I grew up in Belleville, New Jersey. Belleville, Shout out to yeah. Belleville, New Jersey. Um, and that from growing up in Belleville, New Jersey, uh, I was in Belleville Middle School where I met a teacher, a Spanish teacher, Bill Hollis, shout out to Bill, who was the first DJ I've ever met. I didn't know the profession. I didn't know how important DJing or entertainment in general was to the success of a party. He offered to start taking me on jobs as an assistant. Back then they paid $50, which $50 went a long way when you're 12 years old. whopping in middle school. (laughs) And that's when I realized I'd never do anything else. Um, 
being serious, I, I really did focus on this after that and made it a lifelong journey. And that's where we are today. And you've been doing it ever since. And I know that there's there's a lot to unpack in between, you know, then and now. There's There's been a lot, um, you know, of experience you've garnered and, and all that stuff, which we want to get to today. But, you know, it's funny that as, as long as I've known you, which I think we're going on, I want to say anywhere from like 10 to 12 years, somewhere in that range. It's definitely double digits. That's for sure. Um, that's the first time I've ever heard Bill's name pop up. So like, who, who is he? How did you like wh- after middle school? Like, what was that journey? Like after you got to get to know him a little bit better? Absolutely. So, uh, like I said, Bill was a middle school teacher, a Spanish teacher, um, who really was influential in a lot of DJ careers on the, the, the DJs in my area. He really, uh, helped, I guess, launch uh, a lot of DJs into their into their career paths. Um, again, he was looking for assistance, um, somebody to help him carry the equipment, some, someone to help him with introductions and breakdown and setup and things like that, and taught me the ins and outs, um, continued that that knowledge and that experience that he brought and, and taught me, and still talk to him to this day. How often? Three times a week. No kidding. So is he, is he Absolutely. More like, I consider Bill a, a very close friend of mine. Is he is a close friend, kind of like advisor? Mentor, mentor, close friend. Does he, does he still DJ or no? Uh, he actually just recently stopped DJing uh, about two years ago. So he was a DJ for like to say 40 plus years. Dang. I mean, that's, that's a career right there. Absolutely. All right. So you're in, you're in middle school you meet this guy and you fall in love with the craft, right? Um, what, what was that like after middle school? So going into high school, right? You have, uh, I'm sure you want to take up uh, like the school dances come your way and, and, you know, some friends, birthday parties, basically how we all get started in the industry. So um, what was, what was like the next step from there? So funny you mentioned the school dances and and things like that because, yes, that's how most of us who have been doing this since middle school, high school do get started. So obviously in middle school, I wasn't um, thinking about what my full-time profession was going to be yet, you know, just kind of exploring my options. I knew I loved DJing. I knew that it was really a better better option than most because you get to party and have a great time and still get paid to do it. So, yep. You know, not much better than that. In high school, I really started to take it more seriously. Um, that's when we started doing our school's proms, our school dances, hosting fashion shows, everything that, you know, comes along with being in uh, in a school and then them needing a, a cheaper DJ because they would hire us for everything. <laughs> You're always uh, cheap they, to start Because they knew the price was good and the talent was great. Yeah. Um, so it worked out. And then going into college... Um, I did try the college path, uh, gave it a go for uh, two years. And I said, you know what? I already know what I want to do for the rest of my life. I kind of put all my focus uh, into DJing and event hosting. And here we are today. All right. You know, it, it's funny. I don't have, um, I don't know many people that have been doing it as long as you. And one of the things that uh, you've heard in the, in the opening uh monologue of mine. One of the things at EMG that I think the roster signifies is a whole ton of experience, but with it paired with uh, youth. 
you know, so like this, this youthful vibe, but we have a ton of experience, which is, is hard to come by in my opinion. So like, there's, there's some definitely a sense of like unicorns uh, over here. Um, but it's interesting that like you, you've got, you got the start so young, right. And you were pretty dead set on you wanting to do that. You know, I always like to, I always like to tease out a little bit of the family life. Right. So, and I'm sure we've had, we have a lot of similarities in, in this with, you know, family input. Um, but what, what was your family life like growing up being that you did start so early? Was it, how did that phase into like, you know, all right, now my, now Frank is, is going to be a, a full-time industry professional. Great question. So <laughs> a lot of so, uh, like most parents, my parents wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer or, yep. you know, a, a teacher, a police officer. One of those jobs that they looked at growing up as, you know, was a, was a regular job, I guess. Um, and they always preached education in college, but what they also preached was hard work. And once they saw that I put the work and time into what I was doing, uh, perfecting the craft and, you know, really dead set on this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. They backed up and let me do my own thing. Which at, was, w- at what point did that happen? Was that, um, was that, I, I think I really opened that? their eyes um, when I decided to drop out of college. Um, obviously that was a shock to my parents, but I would say within six months, um, they would, they saw how I was growing in the business and the career and how I was, again, not going to focus on anything else, but doing this. So they appreciated that. Yeah. I let's tease that out a little bit because what, you know what, let's give everybody a little fun fact here for you. And you can give us a little bit more insight as to like your, your family life and how that affected you getting into the business and being, you know, kind of getting to that comfort level of making that decision. Right. Let me start simple. What a lot of people don't know is that uh, Frank is actually not your name. Good teaser. So tell us what your, your actual name is and what that, what that background comes from and, you know, how these, how those ideologies played into uh, kind of your upbringing, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So like Tom said, my official government name is not Frank. My real <laughs> name is Fauzi. Um, I adopted Frank as an alias early on because it was a way to start a phone call without a million questions of how to pronounce my name. Uh-huh. So I took. Frank. I was going to ask how Frank came about. Like, did you just open a book and you know? No, oh, I said, you know what, my my name like. is Fauzi. Um, another name that begins with F is Frank. Um, so it will do. And um, you know, it's kind of been my uh, business work name for a long time. Um, right. My name Fauzi uh, is an Egyptian name. My parents are Egyptian, so I also speak Egyptian. Um, if anybody out there speaks Egyptian, mm-hmm. hello. Um, I also speak a couple different languages. I'm fluent in Spanish. Thank you to Bill Hollis, who was my Spanish teacher, and I continued my Spanish education. <laughs> Bill just keeps then. coming back. We're only Absolutely. a couple minutes in. And Bill so is- yo hablo espanol, and I am working on my Italian. So parlo italiano un po. <laughs> yeah, that, I, that, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things um, 
that you, one of the unique qualities of you, I, I would say, is, is your multilingual uh, status that I, I would call. So you can uh, appeal to a lot of different um, needs, so to say, right? Or what yeah. any of that needs might, might be out there. So, um, okay. So, th- I mean, that's kind of where I would, I would tie in uh, the, the, the parents wanting to be, um, I, let's call it non-American, right? With uh, a, a lot of times where uh, parents tend to be more strict, doctor, lawyer, some type of professional craft that requires like years and years and years upon schooling. That's what I was getting at before because I, I know that background for, but everybody else that we, I, that's why I wanted to tease that out is, and, and let's just connect the dots. So um, making that decision to hop into this full time, right? How easy or not easy. Were there any hard conversations that you had to have? Was it like, Hey mom, dad, like, this is what I'm going to do and you're going to like it. Was there any pushback? Like get, get us there. So I don't think there was, uh, again, other than, you know, explaining to my parents why I was dropping out of college and, you know, pursuing a DJ career. uh, I think they saw the hard work and and the time again that I put in, and they knew that I was not gonna, I was gonna be relentless about this, and I wasn't gonna stop. And they saw what I did on a daily basis. Who did not see what I did a, on a daily basis was my extended family. Right, um, and that is probably the hardest part of the conversation is where they have to then justify to other family members or their friends. No, he's not going to be a doctor or a lawyer. He's going to be a full-time entertainer. Um, They know how important that job is. I think relaying the message to others was the, the only tricky part, but once the entire family and everybody saw what was going on, they, they really jumped on board and gave me unlimited support. No, that that's awesome. Cause I, I feel like, you know, pers- I align with that because I went through the same thing myself, just at, I guess at a different part of my life, but the conversation was still similar. I, I'm, I'm interested to know, do people still think as long as you've been doing this, right? Is there anybody that hears that you DJ and still saying like either a, so what do you do during the week or B, like, what's your, what's your main gig? So to say, you know, like, I feel like there's a lot for me, at least I still get, um, I feel like people want to give me the pity business just because they think they're helping me out or or something like that. Do do you get do you still get any of that? Yeah, so lifelong question, um is that your full-time job? That is yeah, right? That's that, like the number one question. And as you know from being asked that um this is proudly our full-time job. We we Absolutely. you know this is what we love to do and we are lucky to and not most, we are lucky to have a profession that we truly do love and enjoy coming into work and enjoying the, the different venues and, and situations we're always in on a weekly basis. Uh, it becomes, you know, sometimes a little complacent or mundane to sit in an office all day and not be able to go to different places like we have the opportunity to do. So I wouldn't trade this for anything else. Yes. For everyone listening out there, I am a full-time entertainer. <laughs> and, and proud of it. And very proud of it. Are, wh- what do you enjoy most about it? And has that changed over the years? Has the answer to that question changed over the years? Yes, d- definitely. Um, I, think, I think in the beginning, uh, like most of us, we enjoyed the getting paid to throw a party, 
eating delicious free food <laughs> and it, you know having a party lifestyle as a job as we progress in our careers and and realize you know what uh, what we're doing we we start to appreciate other things like how grateful our clients are towards us, how big of a difference we make in somebody's most important day and just how memorable we are years down the line where people and guests and clients will call us or text us and say, Hey, you did this or this five, six, seven, ten 10 years ago. We'd love to have you again. That that's really what's changed is appreciating the the gratitude and and the work that goes into it other than, you know, just being a party entertainer. It's so funny you say that because one of the, one of the biggest things I love most is the handwritten note or thank you letter. Like I just get such a kick out of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. I'm, you know, I haven't been doing it quite as long as you, but I feel like my shift first got there. It's like, Oh wow. I can make a lot of money having fun in a short amount of time all the way through. I get to make, I get to create, some long lasting memories for people. And, that, and that's pretty awesome. So, all right. I, I want to, I want to touch base also because I, one of the most important, I think pivotal moments we're coming out of college. Like when, when did you know, when did you know that this was going to be a full-time gig, right? Like I, I know that you had started your own business. You were doing this full-time, um, you know, you got more into the wedding market, and and so on and so forth. So what, were there any like pivotal moments that you were like, yeah, all right. I, I know I made the jump and maybe it was scary at the time, but like here now is, yep. I, I made the right choice and I actually have, there's some traction. Yeah. So the first time I really realized, you know, this was going to be, or this was the right decision that I made was the first time I looked at my calendar and realized every weekend is booked. Um, yeah. not only did that give me a sense of security where I can look at my calendar and realize I'll be financially okay for a year, two years, three years, how long, you know, I'm booked ahead, but it also realized, uh, made me realize that I was in demand and being in demand is something special because that's what creates security and, you know, making sure that you have this to look forward to for years to come. And now that, and I had, again, there, there's the reason why I wanted to do this interview so badly is because we have, we have a lot of similarities in both and in, in interest too, but not, uh, you know, I think our, our stories match up quite a bit. Um, this is right around the time when you and I meet, right? It so is. let's, let's get into that a little bit. Um, what's your recollection of how we met? I think the first time I met you was on a job, actually, right? It was. Yeah, it was. It was on a job, and I think it had nothing to do with DJing. You are correct. If I remember correctly, I th- I, th- I think we're talking <laughs> about the same thing here. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the first time I met you, I believe we were helping out a inflatable company. Yeah. All right. So I'll give the, I'll give people the backstory real quick and then you build off of it. Ready? We're going to play a little game. So I, right out of college, I used to work for a company called Fund Services based out of Fairfield, right? That was my full-time job. I was, I was offered a full-time job right now. And that's where 
I met Frank. Or if you hear me say, I may call him Fouls or whatever. Now you know his real name, so I'm just going to spitball, okay? That's where we met. You were doing a lot of DJ work for that company because we would use that as like an add-on service, whatever. And you were you were very friendly with the owner as well. So you were always in the office, right? You were You were in and out all the time. I would see you on jobs, but now- Fast forward back to the first time that I, I met you, right? I think I was leading that job and you you weren't even DJing. I'm pretty sure that it was, I, th- I want to say it was like a corporate event and like you were just sent there to go make sure everything was okay or something. I was there to check on the new guys. On the new guys, right. <laughs> and we had this, I, w- I think it was, uh, it was like this golf simulator inflatable and you were yes. just like, you were just like chipping away. I don't even know if you were there to do, do the job that you were tasked to do. <laughs> like you were like, oh, <laughs> Golf simulator? Okay. Well, years years later, I can admit to that. I was 100% on the golf simulator. If there's a golf simulator around, which I'm sure we're going to discuss our outside activities, but golf yes. is a, a huge part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so we, we that's how our, our paths cross. And, uh, you know, I get into DJing a little bit shortly after that, right? I start working for your company at the time. And we, we basically pass work back and forth to each other, right? Like, so uh, you guys were getting busier with the weddings and uh, you were kind of leaning on me a little bit to take the, take those school dances and stuff off your plate. Right. So how, how, how pivotal of a time was that in your life? Like what, what about, you know, running, running your own company was, was um, either fulfilling, um, beneficial? What kind of experiences have you drawn on that? Where, where do you, where do you sit with all that? So everything was a learning curve because, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we didn't inherit um, the company at first from uh, uh, somebody else. We kind of started our own thing. And by doing that, we got to realize all the mistakes we were making and all the good things we were doing too. Um, but it was one huge learning curve. Every situation was either a situation that was new for us or a situation that we can draw from a prior experience to, you know, make it better. Uh, running a company is difficult, as you know, Tom. Uh, and I have to tell you that. Absolutely. That absolutely. You, you have to. Listen, I we talk t- transparently on these interviews. Yeah, we absolutely. Don't, we don't have to hold I, anything back. Um, when somebody asked me about running a company, I equate it to being a fireman. You are always constantly putting out little fires. And it's so fun, dude. That is one of the first things you ever told me when I first started working with you. I remember yep. that. Yep. It's true. It's, um, you know, we do such, I'd like to think that here at Elegant, we do such a good job with the final presentation. So you don't even see 99% of the work that gets us to that point. Right. We just kind of bundle it all up and present it very nicely. Um, there's a million little things that we have to do first to get to that that point. And by by running your own business and and seeing all those little things makes you appreciate the final product even more. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you did that. You did that for quite some time. I mean, you you got to um, a pretty significant level in terms of volume of work, and you know, still personally, I know you do a, a high volume of work. And um, both of us have, you know, we have at the time you had a partner, but I I did too. We had both since split, and now we're doing our our thing here. 
And um, I, you know, it's it, it's funny. Life life tends to bring you. Uh, they open the gate to greener pastures, even though you don't see, maybe not necessarily at the time that you see it, right? And I, I, one of the reasons why I was so excited to do this interview is because knowing how you got to this point that you are at today, I, and for as long as I've known you, I feel like I have never seen you happier. That is so true. Um, I have a, a new sense, and I know we've talked about this off air, but for everybody that's listening for the first time on air, when I first uh, talked to Tommy, uh, I'd say six years ago, somewhere around there, about yeah, it was right around. It was I think it was five. It was right around the time when I got married. Five years ago, about um, you know joining Elegant uh, EMG uh, at a more consistent and fuller time basis. Yep. Um, I told him one of the things that I really appreciate is the new sense of freedom. Yeah. I feel the, exactly. the sense of, I, I get to lead my own path. I get to make my own decisions. Um, having a partner or partners is great because you can, you can offset some of the workload responsibilities. You always have somebody to talk to. Um, and, you know, when it's working, it's great. Unfortunately for me, it was time to go our own ways. And um, I could speak for myself. Like you said, I've never been happier and more looking forward to doing this every day. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a lot of things that are tied to that, too. I mean, to your point about being a fireman all the time, right? And that that, that doesn't necessarily mean on specific events. There's, you know, sometimes the the water cooler guy doesn't come or your phone doesn't work or the internet is out or, you know, there, there's, there's so many things outside of the events being a a business owner that you're responsible for that. I can, I can see that. And you know what? I, I, uh, you know, as your friend, I am, I'm so happy for you that I see that smile, you know, that much bigger smile on your face. Um, And just given our, our history to see like how you've morphed into this, like this new, uh, structure and carving your own path and, and all this stuff. And that doesn't necessarily just have to do with DJing and hosting events because what I want, I want to make very, I want to make something very clear to everybody that's going to listen to this. A lot of what I've learned, I've learned from you, how to host, how to put out those fires, how to think on my feet, how to have, and this is one of the things that I, cause one of the things I do is head the, the, uh, training stuff. I had a lot of input in the, in the training uh, program here at EMG, the newer training program. And one of the biggest uh, philosophy points I want driven home is peripheral vision. You are one of the, the, the best people I know about. You know when and where mom and dad are at the event, if the bride and groom are in the room, if the maitre d's yelling at you, if the food's on the table, like there's a, there's a lot in there. That is peripheral vision is certainly one thing I've, I've, personally learned from you that I'm very thankful for. But um, I, I want to get into, I, I don't, I, I could talk all day with you. I mean, this is, you know, I, I think we can, we can cover some stuff. Um, to one of my favorite parts of interviews like this, like I said, at the top of the show is talking about things outside of the business and then like tying everything back in. Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your hobbies. And I, I will say this, Frank and I share the, the top three hobbies that I want to get into. Um, Frank and I all, sh- all share together. 
One is the New York Giants, which we can probably skip right over because uh, actually recently as the, at this recording, first place, baby, they're in first place and they've won four games in a row. So maybe I just knock on wood for that. But up to this point, not so exciting. But you said one earlier, golf. So tell me a little bit about your, your love of golf. And then I want to I wanna explore the second one. You know where I'm going to go with that. Absolutely. So um, <laughs> golf has also been a big part of my life for the past 15 to 20 years. Um, and, you know, growing up, we all had the same thought of golf. Like that's an old man sport. Oh, that's, yeah. for, that's for corporate people that want to make deals. You discuss business on the course. <laughs> uh, and so until the first time I played and realized, wow, I've been missing this, this, this fulfillment of being out in nature and this peace and, and really locking into one singular focus to it just, it has everything. And like they say about golf is 90% of the game is between the ears. And I, I think that is the part that I really love about golf. I've been fortunate enough to play a lot of desirable courses throughout yeah, my years. So. I've been able to travel the country and to other countries and I've, always made it a point to wherever I'm going or traveling to try to fit a little golf in. What's your favorite, favorite course, your most favorite course that you've ever played? My favorite course. That's a, that's a tough question. Um, all right. So give me top two, top two. Okay. So my top two favorite courses are I've played Pine Valley, which not a lot of people get to play Pine Valley. I was fortunate enough to get on twice. Um, and my second favorite, (laughs) and my second (laughs) favorite course was a course I've played in St. John. Um, it was called the devil's triangle and they meant it. They meant it. Hard course, hard and beautiful and scenic and everything that when you close your eyes and envision a beach course should be mountains, cliffs, beauty. Yep. All of it. I feel like that has a lot of similarities to the freedom that you you experience now. A, just in schedule, right? I mean, you can certainly, um, that, that's what's nice ab- about doing what we do. The, the, the weekday is a little bit more open up. I mean, yeah, we get the question all the time. It's like, well, what do you do during the week? There is some office stuff to do and definitely d- details to take care of. But, um, you know, uh, three hours on a Monday is not going to set you back when you can uh, – uh, clear your mind and and take a round of 18, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of similarities there, but just in concept, let's talk about the game of golf, right? Just in concept, I have to take this club, swing it, hit this little ball into a cup about 400 yards away. Right? So, <laughs> like, so, so what? <laughs> follow me on this. Golf is very similar to skydiving. When when you're, I have no on, idea where he's going with this, but I have no idea. When you're on the first tee or any tee and you look out there and you realize that you have to get this little two inch ball into a four inch hole, 500 yards away in four strokes. Now there's water, there's trees, there's your mental, you're shaking. It's a daunting task when you look at it. But like skydiving, which I've been twice, 
when you're looking and like, down and shark petting in the same day, same day. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I'll get into that in a sec. Um, <laughs> when you're on that plane looking down, it looks daunting. It looks scary. But once you jump, you realize, oh, I want to do this again. This is amazing. Same with golf. Once you start hitting a couple of good shots, you're like, oh, this is the best thing ever. Let's yeah. do this again tomorrow. And yes, on that same trip of St. John, where I played that amazing course, uh, the following day we did skydive and later on pet sharks within a four and a half hour period. I mean, that sounds like a wonderful vacation. That sounds like a wonderful vacation. You know, when you frame it like that, though, I've never heard, never really put it into perspective that way because I, I enjoy golf too. I don't get out as much as, I, I, as I'd like to. Um, but when you have this objective, right? You have all these obstacles in the way. Do you feel like there's any uh, connection between your love of golf and um, your adversity that you've overcome uh, up to this point? You know? Oh, absolutely. Like you said about the obstacles in your way, like, like everyone that's listening out there, we, we all have obstacles in our way. It's how we decide and, or, golf reference, what shot to be played to get around those obstacles. And as long as you have all your clubs in the bag and that's being prepared and really focused and, you know, experienced from doing it before, there's no better feeling than hearing that ball go in the hole. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I can, I cannot agree more. And I, I know you probably have uh, a lot more golf to play in life and hopefully we get out onto the course sometime soon. Um, Another big interest of yours that I think the people should know about, because again, I share this interest too, is uh, trading cards, sports cards, Pokemon, all of the above, right? Maybe like some action figures. I'm, so we're doing this virtually, hence why you might hear some like dings and dongs every now and then, because you know we're at the mercy of like what goes on in the office. Anyway, um, you're, you're literally sitting in like a pseudo card shop. So I, look, I was, I collected when I was really young. Did you, how did you get back into, but let's, let's cards. How did you get back into it? Or so, have yes. you been into it the whole time? So I, I, I was an avid collector when I was younger. Um, okay. You know, Pokemon came out when we were kids. So we kind of fell into that, the right timing for Pokemon. So I collected Pokemon. I collected sports cards. Like all of us, we loved Michael Jordan. We loved Shaquille O'Neal. We loved our favorite players. So I collected a lot of them. Um, and then kind of expanded my collection into more collectibles um, as far as helmets and even cereal boxes and all of the above. Really put it to the side for, I would say, the last 15 years. Um, and now, I don't know if anybody needs a date stamp, but we're in 2020. We, <laughs> we have a little, little time in our hands to kind of, you know, get back to some of the things we loved when we were kids. Yeah. So about, I would say eight months ago, I really decided, you know what, I'm going to explore the the card collecting world again. And it just happened to time up with a card collecting boom that's been going on. It's um, nuts. Which it is absolutely nuts. Which for anybody listening out there that knows what we're talking about, about cards and Pokemon and what's going on in uh, in our world with that today, it's it's crazy. The hobby went from a two to a 20 in in a matter of months. Now, what, what do you, why do you think that happened? 
again, I, I think right now people can focus more on on nostalgic things that they didn't have time for before. Sure. And I think um, also our age has to play with it. A lot of, you know, uh, people our age are starting to have kids and want to get them into the hobby as well. Also more disposable uh, income. More disposable income now than, yep. than before. Uh, I remember the only thing I asked for 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 a long time for every Christmas was packs to open because I thought and still do think that is the most fun thing to do. So, um, you know, looking for that Michael Jordan, looking for oh, that, yeah. you know, I guess now looking for that Joe Burrow or looking for that Herbert, that Lewis Robert, that, you know, that car that's, or for Pokemon fans out there finding a Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> or seven, or seven. Um, <laughs> which Frank has opened about seven recently. He sends me pictures of him and rubs them in all the time. I have had a, uh, a good streak with the uh, Mr. Zard. So who, all right, we're back in. Who are you collecting right now? Who or what? So uh, I am an avid uh, football collector and basketball collector. I yeah, know, those are my top two. I well. know you. those are your favorites. I think yeah. your favorite would probably be basketball, if I'm basketball, correct. Basketball, for sure. That would be yeah. your number one. Vintage. Which, um, vintage basketball. Vintage basketball. Um, right now, I am collecting all the newer rookies. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of my focus point. So anybody from, you know, your Zions out there, again, you Joe Burrows in baseball, you Lewis Rubbers. Um, because <laughs> nobody knows how to say his last name. So it's a mixture of both. Um, and, you know, just kind of enjoying the hobby again and, and taking it uh, more serious, I guess. Now, as Tom said that I am in a pseudo car shop, he I don't own a card shop. I just I ask him probably once a week though <laughs> yeah. when he's opening it up. I just have a room in uh where I live that is filled with cards and collectibles. So Because you literally can't find anything anywhere. Like you go to a Target that, that like there's like this shopping hunt that is just ridiculous and you can, you can't find anything anywhere. If it's we pretty- if we try to explain it really to to somebody that hasn't seen it live, they wouldn't understand the the seriousness of what you're talking about it's a year ago you could walk into your local walmart or target and find any card you're looking for right there nobody would even think twice now to get one pack you have to wait up at four o'clock in the morning spend the entire night there and hope that in the morning they have something for you it is again for anybody listening out there that knows what we're talking about you understand this is insane right now. All right. So on the insanity topic, um, one of the biggest words that I think is starting to get overused in the card market is the word investment. Granted, I, I, there are a couple things that, um, you can make an argument for you're in a unique position. And I wanted to ask you, um, I wanted to ask you this because, you, you basically purchase to collect. There's a lot of people out there with the boom are purchasing to flip, right? Now you may yep. sell some stuff, but your, your uh, top goal right now is to build your PC, your personal collection, right? What's your, what's your take on uh, the, inv- the whole concept of investment? So I am not in it, like you said, right now to, um, to turn a profit right now. I am trying to build, you know, uh, a PC, which again, Tom said in uh, card lingo, your personal collection, I fell in love with it. So I have a very hard time getting rid of cards. Oh, I'm the same I, way, man. I, 
I am almost to a point where I have, you know, thousands and thousands of cards and I could almost mentally tell you every card that I have. Or if you show me a card, I will let you know if I do or do not have it through all those because I am. I love my cards. And that is one thing as as a collector, uh, as opposed to uh, a quote unquote investor or uh, a flipper. Um yeah. You you grow this attachment to where when you do pull a Charizard, my first thought is, oh, I get to keep this. This is my card, not, oh, this is worth a thousand bucks. Right. Yeah. Now, and they're very well. I mean, I have, I was into Pokemon back in the day. I have, um, I have a, a 96 Charizard that could probably, it's not graded, but would probably grade probably close to a nine. Right. And that, that is a good grade to anybody. That yes, know. he does. Um, and probably could get twenty five hundred for it, three thousand somewhere in that area. And I just, I'm, I still just not have, have not sent it in. And it's just like so that emotional attachment is definitely, is definitely there. So let's let's end on this though, because I I have one of these. Um, I know what mine is on the topic. What's your what's your most prized possession? Like your pri- what your most prized sports card? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so, like I said, I I've been collecting for a a while now, um, and I didn't realize what my prized possession was until about a month ago. Um, I always thought I knew what my let's say top five most valuable cards were, but uh, I have been talking to my mother, and she has been kind enough to go through our basement with a fine tooth comb. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> looking for old cards. Um, and I too have a Charizard who's missing a shadow out there. Oh no. <laughs> um, that will probably wow grade very, very nicely considering this thing was never played with or even American or Japanese. It's American. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So, and, and that brings me back to the whole Pokemon thing is is the nostalgia of it is I, I truly do enjoy opening packs and looking for cards and and it's something that equates or brings me back to like what you said before about the sense of freedom and being as happy now as I've ever been. Um, cards is a big part of that because it does bring back those those amazing feelings as I had when I was a kid. Well, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I do think as much as you do, I mean, you, you've you gotten very heavy back into the card game. And I think with um, noting your, your happiness, right? I, I felt like that was a, a big part of it. So I wanted to uh, explore that with you. So, so Wait, don't, have- I, don't, don't I get to ask too? Of what? what your most cherished card is? Oh yeah, absolutely. If you want to flip the script, yeah. I know, I know exactly. I know, I know the, the listeners want to know. Uh, I have a, it, it's from 97, 98 upper deck basketball series one. It's a Shaquille O'Neal diamond dimensions card number hand numbered out of a hundred. And now it's not the most valuable card I have in terms of price, but I pulled it out of a pack of a hobby box that I bought when I was probably like 12 or 13. I remember I was sitting on my mom's couch in her apartment when I opened it, put it right in the sleeve, right in the, it's actually out for grading right now. And I have no intention of ever, ever, ever selling it. Um, that is my, that is hands down my, my number one card. And the reason why it's not only the fact that I pulled it 
randomly and it's like a super rare card and numbered out of a hundred. It's number eight, which was my number. So up. a little FYI out there for um, those listening. Tom also pulled a rookie LeBron James card too from a pack. So yeah, that's right. So a little pack magic for him. But I still, I still give the Shaquille O'Neal a, 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 the leg up. You know? <laughs> still give the Shaquille the leg up. All right. So anyway, um, I want to wrap this up. I don't want to, I, I can literally, like I said, talk to you all day on this. Same here. Um, let's, let, let's bring this to, to full circle. So we're here now. It's 2020. Not a lot of events going on, right? You're filling up a lot of your time with some nostalgic stuff. Hopefully we get back on a golf course soon. What are, what are some of your prospects for uh, 2021? Where are we going? What are some of like your, your immediate goals as an entertainer in the next, let's call it year, year and a half? So I, I got to be honest, I haven't been this excited to, to DJ or event host. I can't remember when. I am so looking forward to getting back to doing what we do. I look at 2021 as kind of our, our comeback and, and do it big year where people are ready to party and we are ready to party with them. Yeah, there was, there was a big reset button hit in 2020. Um, and I, I'm totally with you. I think... I think people are going to be super ready to party under any circumstance. If you get them to a venue, they're going to be there to have a good time. And uh, that not only makes our job easier, but um, definitely more, definitely more fun for sure. And in terms of like creating those memories and all that stuff. So uh, I know you're super busy in 2021. Uh, I know there's more to come before I let you go, Frank. We like to do to end these interviews. We like to do a little segment of what we like to call quick questions. So I'm gonna run. I'm gonna rattle off some stuff. Be as quick as you can. You ready? We're gonna have a little fun. I'm on the hot seat. Let's go. Here we go. I'm gonna start from easy to to, to, to most uh, most difficult. Ready? Coke or Pepsi? Coca Cola. My man. McDonald's or Wendy's? Neither. Nice, healthy. It's 2020, people. I haven't eaten fast food in five plus years. Oh man, I, I I don't get with that. <laughs> uh, you prefer morning or night? Early morning. Early morning. I'm with you. There's the golfer in Frank right there. Who is your favorite cartoon character? Speedy Gonzalez. Hmm. What is your favorite cuisine? Like style cuisine. I'm a big pizza guy. <laughs> <laughs> is it pizza or cuisine? I don't know. We, I don't, does that, can we put that on the Italian? Is that, is, that, uh, is that Italian American? I, I love pizza. Oh, man. All right. So, real quick brick oven or regular? Oh, brick oven. If they have it, it's not even. That's right. The crust okay. on a brick oven. All right. Good, good, good. Uh, who is the number one celebrity you'd like to meet? Will Smith, hands down. Oh, I didn't even think of it. Hands yeah. down. All right. That's a great answer. I think mine would be Justin Timberlake. But Will Smith, that's a really good one. If you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Oh, we're going to Hawaii. Sweet. Great golf. If you you had a choice of one superpower, what would it be? To sense what somebody's feeling in their heart. Oh, tugging at the emotional strings right there. You see that? He's good. He's good. All right. If someone were to play you in a movie, who would it be? Oh, that's Will Smith. That's why we're meeting. <laughs> Let's talk about the script. Talk about the script. <laughs> All right. Where do you want to retire? 
I love where I am right now. So I I, I have no intention of leaving Jersey. Sweet. I love it too much. All right. Consistency. Love it. What this is the this is the second to last one. What is your dream trading card that you Ooh. do not own? Dream trading card that I do not own would definitely be an 86 flare Michael Jordan. <laughs> Gemin 10. Yeah. PSA. UGS. You know what's funny? Mine, mine's a Michael Jordan too. It's not his rookie though. Which one is it? It's the yeah. 98 jersey card. His first one ever with the all-star. Number, autographed, numbered out of 23. Know it well. Don't own it, but know it well. Don't own it either. I do have a sealed box of that though at home, which I am not going to crack, but maybe. Anyway. Last but not least, if you were getting married today, what does your ideal EMG package look like? Great question. So definitely sparklers for the first dance. I think that is a nice touch uh, accompanied by Dance on Clouds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, one of our amazing event hosts. If you say Festa, I'm going to be pissed. One of our amazing event hosts. (laughs) (laughs) Can't play favorites here. Um, I think some amazing lighting because as we both know, lighting plays an integral part in Huge difference, an man. atmosphere of the, the wedding. And I would probably want to incorporate live musicians because I think that live musician gives it something different that you don't see at every wedding that you go to. There you have it. Frank, thanks so much for joining me. I had a blast on this episode. I'm glad we got to cover a whole bunch of stuff. Um, And cheers to uh, more card collecting in 2021. And some amazing weddings and events, obviously. Thank you. And for for our past, future, current clients out there, we are thankful and grateful for you. And I guarantee we have much better things to come. So you're ready to hear first. Take care, folks. All right. Bye, everybody. You can find us at elegantmusicgroup.com or on Instagram at elegantmusicgroup.